You are listening to Boku No Stop, an anime podcast that decided office buildings were cheaper in the terrorist district and never learned to regret this cost-cutting. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me today is... I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. Matt has been ordered to the reserves this week, but rest assured, if one of us keels over mid-podcast, we will call him up as reinforcements. It'll be me. Today we'll be... <laughs> today we'll be talking about Code Geass, episodes 9 through 10... Content warnings for today's batch include drugs and drug use, gun violence, being buried alive, and a dude getting cooked alive on screen. It's a fun week. That's true. Last time, Princess Cornelia of Britannia began proving she was cut from stronger stuff than her deceased half-brother Clovis when she immediately began smashing various resistance groups to bits upon taking over as Viceroy of the Conquered Japan. She's also a wiser general, engineering a trap for Zero that would have succeeded if Lelouch didn't have spooky witchwoman Cece there to pull his ass out of the fire. Unfortunately for the Viceroy, she has a giant flashing weak spot. Her younger sister, Euphemia, and Yuffie's capture in a hostage situation meant Cornelia had no choice but to let Zero waltz in. She thought she could crush two birds with one stone by letting him defuse the situation and dropping the hammer on everyone involved, but instead she handed him his greatest victory yet, the ability to take credit for freeing every single hostage, and the public announcement that his cell was now the Black Knights, Knights for Justice, defenders of the weak across Japan, Japanese or Britannian alike. And then we begin uh, the start of this episode in Callan's bedroom with the fan service for... You want to the... throw out the name of the episode? Oh, yes. This episode is uh, Stage 9 Reframe, because it's a Bandai Mecha show, so we use stages here. <laughs> And we begin in Colin's bedroom with um, this week's uh, required amount of fan service. Um, as the news tells us, it's been two weeks since the Black Knights debuted. The camera zooms over a face down panty panties-only Callan just to, you know, give the animator something to do while the anchors exposit. Wild shot to open my <laughs> watching really this week. It's really like, I guess, I guess it isn't the only bit because there's... The, the furry convention coming up. Yeah, there's more of it, but just straight up, within 10 seconds, I'm seeing side boob of a team. That's true. After the anchors uh, exposit, there's a loud crash in the hallway, and she wanders out in a rope to chew out one of her mates. Callan then begins crying behind the door, and we see a photo of Callan's family, presumably with her mother's face covered by a sticker. Um, next scene, we cut to a warehouse where basically this is the CIA putting crack on the streets, kind of, sort of. I can't unsure. think of any other way to put this. I'm un I'm unsure. I, well, I swear they used like the name of like the nightmare smuggling group for this too, and it got confusing. The problem with this analogy is that the CIA in this scenario would be the Britannians, and it's the Japanese police doing it. Uh, it's some of the police, but at least one of these dudes says something that implies he might be a noble. No, they're selling actual, like, food and medicine distribution. They're selling, like, literal yeah. welfare. Goods. Okay. They're not selling the Then maybe it's frame. another weird dub thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two men are loading boxes into a van talking about how the 11s could use a little more help thinning out the herd. Um, but then the lights are cut. After we see some figures on a catwalk, and when they come back on, the men stammer. Y your your 
And then we smash cut to Kalan standing up in class, waking up from a dream, yelling, The Black Knights! And then she gets fucking laughed out of the room for being a clown. Uh, after class, Revolves tells her, You could learn a lot from Lelouch about sleeping in class. Where they point out he's currently asleep right now the second, and most folks couldn't tell. <laughs> we cut to the city center where Cornelia is talking strategy. The EU is pushing an offensive around Egypt in the... Uh, El Alamein region, and so she's getting antsy, wishing she could be conducting her usual campaigns instead of just extermination. She wants to finish stamping out the terrorism in Area 11 so they can just go, it's a satellite nation, and then leave. Uh, but there's this new issue popping up in its place. Apparently a drug named Refrain is flooding the streets, and it's absolutely killing productivity numbers among the manufacturing sectors. Her leads suggest it's coming from a Chinese freight route, so she's taking a squad and investigating herself. We then learn that this conversation was being had with Euphemia, and this is why the younger sister is here as sub-viceroy. When Cornelia is done whipping Japan into shape, the whole island is going to be left in Yuffie's care. With one final comment that Zero and the Black Knights are being left alone for now as payment for them saving her sister. Cornelia gives Euphemia a very tender caress and hops alone on a train, urging her sister, urging her little sister to stay out of trouble. Alone, Yuffie has a flashback to Zero pulling a gun on her, and we see the end of that scene. He lowered the gun and just said, well, I guess you can live for now. And like, how else would it have gone? She's here right now. Come on, show. Not a revelation. This has just left her puzzled, and she asks internally, Suzuku, what would you make of what Zero is doing or of me? And then, back on campus, everyone has tied up Lelouch and is trying to put him in makeup and a costume. Everyone on the student council is dressing up or being dressed up as a cat in various fashions, from Kigurumi to sexy cat girl to full-on cats on Broadway costumes, holy crap, Revels, to welcome Arthur, the new name for the Chaos Cat. We also learn the past two weeks have been pretty nasty for Nina, good, Millie and Shirley as well, as the high school hostages are now minor celebrities in the wake of the hotel incident. It's so funny to me how immediately your meme gets owned. <laughs> it, we haven't yeah. got to the, mm, I can't, uh, if I use that phrasing, it'll give away too much. I already know. I've definitely picked up on where this is going from this episode. Oh, oh no. Oh no, you don't. Max yeah. not here. I can just speculate out loud with you two. She definitely goes full Yandere lesbian, right? De well, yeah, that may I or definitely may not be hit true. I definitely hit it dead on. No, there's a specific scene that I'm waiting for you to witness. Okay. Well, I will bleep that out just so Matt isn't spoiled on this when it comes up. But yeah, I think I just hit that. The girls have been unable to get off campus for most of that time because paparazzi are still trying to find them at any entrances. Rivals gripes that he and Suzuku have also been trapped here, and Millie basically says, We all die together, in a flowery literary reference that is a Romance of the Three Kingdoms quote I did not take down in full. Please, it's that they do not ask to have the same birthday. They only ask that they die together. See, I knew you would have that, which meant I didn't have to write it down. That's right, I've only spent an entire year and a half reading the entire Three Kingdoms and having like a 300-page Google document of all the characters and what they did relevant. Nice. Look, if I had more free time, I'd follow you into that, but I don't. It rips. Recommendation.
Oh, yeah. I've heard it's wonderful, Reed, and it's the kind of combat and political thriller and negotiations and every like a lot of things I like out of my fiction. It, it's got all the stuff you could want. And, and unlike most uh, classical novels, it just fucking goes. There's not like a lot of like, it's not very stained. The Robert Moss translation is extremely good. Fun to read. I didn't expect it to be sold on Romance of the Three Kingdoms this morning. Oh, it's really good. Wait. Yeah, no, it's it's incredibly impressive. It's a classic for a reason. But Dark Secret. I read it because it's lore. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. I definitely have moments like that. However, this whole event makes Suzuku begin welling up with tears, glad that his shitty, shitty night was worth something. And at this point, I just want to gripe for a moment before I hand it off. Every time the show gives us dates, it makes scenes like this even more incomprehensible. Because, okay, sure, we need two weeks of gap from the last episode for the Black Knights to do anything, and for this new drug to hit the streets, and minor status quo changes and everything to forward the plot. But on the other... It then makes everything involving the student council into this nonsense where they've been in limbo for two weeks because now we're only just welcoming the cat in and in all that time, Suzuku never had his emotional catharsis because there wasn't a camera on him. It's just a... The student council stuff, when it's not the central focus of an episode, is so tossed off that it sucks. I just assumed Suzaku was having his emotional thing for two weeks straight. Being the soft boy that he is. Yeah, he seems like a huge baby. He does seem like someone who would cry over this for two weeks and nobody would say anything to not be rude. You're right. You're right. Also, they had nothing better to do. They were stuck at a school because they're reporters. But why did it take them two weeks to name the cat? Because they're rich and wanted to drag it out. I suppose I can't argue that. Anywho, uh, there's another montage as Colin thinks on Zero's Black Knight's gamble. Uh, paying off? Question mark. Um, we see dudes at a construction site doing Zero impressions or children dressing in capes and running around like little heroes and so on. Um, we also see her bemoaning that um, the support isn't uh, un- unanimous. Unanimous. I don't see unanimous. Yeah, what you said. Given that Zero uh, still made his public debut going, yeah, I capped a prince, so what? And thinking um, that how... And thinking that how she wants... Oh, you're right, I did write that like an idiot. (laughs) And thinking that how she wants to know who (laughs) under mask. (laughs) Ryan had two sentences in notes describing cooking and couldn't think of the word cooking. (laughs) (laughs) That just sounds like Breath of the Wild dot text. Uh, I'm going to let you in on a shameful secret that I realized years after I gave up on that game. There was no cooking tutorial at Breath of the Wild because I was supposed to figure out that you just hold shit and drop it into a pot. And I kept going, where's the button for the menu? Well, there is, and so is there I, I never... There's a cooking menu. You just can only do it in specific spots, right? No. I you just no take clue. stuff from your inventory. Well, you, you can hold do it. that. But you also, there's like an entire interface for add these five items. And you can only okay. do it at fires with a pot. You can cook apples by dropping it on a fire. But... No, you can drop whole recipes in. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's that's the only way I've seen it done. Although that might be a speedrunner thing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I 
I kept looking for a button on that before I gave up on the game and was like, oh, fucking sucks so bad. I agree. I didn't realize this would be such a cold take here. Yeah, no, I might or might not have been using it as a test for Yuzu just to mess around with it. And it's like, maybe modded, maybe modded. I would enjoy this game more, but it does just grate on me in a lot of little death by a thousand cuts ways. Look, I like having direction in my giant open world games. You're speaking to the person who will say that there's never been a good 3D Zelda. I mean, it's true. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah, you know, I I basically think that the ones that come closest would have been improved by being linked to the past. Ask yes, they could have. You know, all the Zelda games could have been improved by being made by Capcom, as they proved. That's true. Ages and sieges, or ages and seasons own. Yeah, the best one. I don't know if I like them more than Link's Awakening or not. That's what you mean. I kind of think my peak is Link Between Worlds. Uh, It's fine. I liked the freeform structure. It's fine. I have no comment here. I don't remember that game. Anywho, uh, Code Code Geass. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, After Callan wonders who's under the mask, but um, quoting her, I cannot push hard because if we do, he's likely to vanish. And I don't think we can win this war without him. Um, there is then a brief scene where Revolves is waiting outside wait, uh, of a building for Lelouch, commenting, hey, what you up to, buddy? Uh, we, I, don't, I didn't see you a lot lately. Um, meanwhile, the surviving um, LJF are in one of their uh, traditionalist bunkers with um, Toro, Silent, and as his subordinates complain to him that the Black Knights are taking up all the air in the room, even getting um, arms and weapons with the which the JLF uh, were counting on. We're at Callan's house. Millie has come over. This is where we're introduced to Callan's mother, who appears next to the acronym WASP in a dictionary. The two fight in front of the guest, and uh, Callan's mother throws some shade at the help, and they both beginning begin giving each other crap about what they're up to while Callan's father is back in Britannia proper at business. Mob throws out, yes, I'd hoped it was a boy with you sneaking out at night and spending time in the ghetto, and before Colin could fire her retort, the maid knocks over a vase, which is apparently her third destruction in days. Um, back in Colin's room, Millie presents an envelope from her grandfather, also known as the headmaster of the school, and it's Colin's transcripts going back ages, and Colin realizes, oh, my secret's out. The Ashford family, at least, now knows that Colin is half Japanese. And uh, the maid is apparently Colin's birth mother, and the blonde lady is a stepmom. And there's a lot to unpack right now here with the uh, treatment of her mother. Even Millie's response is, wow, this guy heavy, gotta go. Uh, <laughs> yup. <laughs> and she says, I promise I won't tell anyone. I love to know secrets, but wouldn't uh, tell anyone about this. Just waves hands around. Uh, we then mm-hmm. cut to the maid's room, which is a bunch of graffiti on the wall calling for her death. Who did this? I don't know. I couldn't figure that out. It, it was probably the stepmom. She like her room is like a prison cell and like escape from Butcher Bay. For those who are not watching this, Callan's mother is in a room that has a bed, a little room for her legs and a drawer with a lock. And that's it. This, and then, like, then it's her drug stash. She just opens it up and just gotta do some refrain now. I'm just gonna throw out a, 
uh, suspicion. Refrain is never going to appear after this episode, is it? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, probably. This episode is such a weird fuck. If it weren't for the plot-related bits with Callan's mother, I would think this was filler. Yeah, it literally only exists to give Callan, like, any sort of characterization or motivation. Yeah. Which which is wild, because she's already got quite a bit. We just didn't know about her family. And, like, we get to also, like, cram in, like, the increased firepower of the Black Knights, but that's about it. And and they step it up next episode anyway, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, they, like, start to set up the stuff from next episode, because I think this is where, like, the Kyoto group is dropped and all that. We return from commercial and immediately cut to Lelouch giving Suzuku shit in the student council room, going, you cried, pussy. Got his ass. (laughs) Got him. In the background, Arthur is just chewing on Suzuku's hand again. Why does this idiot keep trying to interact with this cat? It's because he wants to be a Disney princess and wants animals to like him to prove that he is a good person. I have been getting clawed repeatedly for years because I cannot resist the belly. It happens. Okay, that's that's different. That's you're trying to be more familiar with the cat. This is literally if he puts a hand near this cat, it bites him over and over on the same spot. This would, is the ultimate metaphor for this reformist idiot. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, he, he just says, he just says that later. True. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Lelouch like makes a comment about how he's glad the Black Knights were there to save the girls, and then this sets Suzuku off, and they get in an argument about, well, why aren't the Black Knights just cops then? And he goes full, well, there's no responsibility. There's no one they're accountable to. And it's like, dude, your boss tried to blow your back out and murder you where no one could see. What the fuck are you talking about? No accountability. Yeah, this guy would be like the perfect DSA member. This dude is controlled opposition, the fucking noodle. Uh-huh. That's what I said. <laughs> Anyway, it is interrupted by Shirley arriving, and Suzuku's goes, well, I gotta go back to base, and gives himself gives Shirley a giant wink. And she goes to try and ask Lelouch out on a date, but he just completely shuts it down by going, back to base, huh? Makes him sound like he thinks he belongs there. And then the scene ends! Yep. Um... In the market, um, Ogi is informing Colin that Reframe exists. It is described as a psychotropic targeted at the Japanese, a drug which sends you into memories of the past. Um, the call ends, and her attention is drawn to five Britannian soccer hooligans kicking the shit out of a hot, hot dog cart vendor for being Japanese. Um, she makes a move towards them, uh, breaking it up, but Lush is there going, A you're outnumbered, and B, if you save him, his business is fucked. Um, Before she can argue this topic, uh, their bickering has drawn the Tufts' attention, and they walk over going, you gonna stop us? Nah, they probably want to join in too, at the sight of the uniforms. Uh, Malouche subtly, I don't think he does this very subtly, he just gasses them to get bored of beating up Elevens, and Callan rushes up to help the man up. Um, his immediate reaction to her uniform is to begin 
bowing and scraping, and then offering a second California hot dog to her boyfriend. I didn't know what a California hot dog was, and apparently I don't know where they got this name because nobody can agree on what qualifies. Just looking it up, I got such concepts as bacon-wrapped dog topped with guacamole and Monterey Jack, hot dog topped with feta and barbecue sauce, topped with sprouts, avocado, and mustard, relish, pickles, olives, pepperoncinis, bell pepper, and artichoke hearts, or probably the only good one, basically a torta with a hot dog, pico de gallo, chipotle mayo, and sour cream on a hot dog. It's Okay, so, so being Chicago adjacent, I kind of take offense to all of those. Look, it sucks to suck. This leads to our two leads having a chat on a bench, incredible writing there, uh, with Lelouch saying that there was some benefit to the Japanese and being annexed, it brought stability to the military and economic place in the world, becoming part of the empire. There's even a path to citizenship as honorary Britannians for the conquered. Damn, Hillary Clinton just wrote Lelouch, huh? But also, <laughs> yeah. he understands why folks would rebel. Colin asks him point blank, and what does Lelouch Lamperouge think? What's your take on it all? And he just shrugs it all off, saying that there's a reason he does nothing, pissing her off when he steps in the landmine of, just like that honorary Britannian back there. Who knows? He could live a better life if he stays in line, bowing his head to his betters. And uh, Colin thinks of her mother, scraping up shards of a pot off the floor, and smacks him dead in the face, saying, I guess you were, I was a fool to think you were a better man than this. And just storms off. And then we have a quick scene of Colin's mother, who has now gone through all of her stash and is beginning to fiend a little bit. I love to go to the flop warehouse. <laughs> God, that scene is so stupid. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, this, this episode is pure 80s anti-drug episode. Also, we it's missed wild. the part where a bunch of them get, like, severed in half by the flying metal shards from the door. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. But then we just have this, like, tiny scene in a bar where Valletta and Jeremiah are drinking before he coughs up his drink, which is like, so about this orange thing. And uh, she recovers pretty quickly, though, because she tells him she very much believes him about the blackout. You know, like the one she didn't tell anyone about where her mech got Why stolen. Why take this to your fucking grave? No one knows about it. What are you doing? I give her credit for being one of the only people who is willing to swallow her pride enough for the greater good of their side in realizing we have a problem here. It's fine. It's fine. They don't need to do that. Their faction's already winning. It's fine. I like Valletta because she seems like one of the only people who has her fucking head on straight. On the Britannian side. Valetta is like a mid-game JRPG boss. She's basically like Orgula. Oh yeah, no, she's General Liam. <laughs> she would absolutely turn to the party side and get iced by the real villain. She's going to stand up for Elevens in some weird, convoluted moment and get offed by Cornelia. Or whoever succeeds Cornelia. Not Orgula. Who is in the middle of Xenosaga 2? That's the vibe I get from her. Oh god, yeah, the one the one who got removed from the remake, yeah. Yeah, the one you can softlock on? Yeah, that one. Awesome. Anyway, all 
All Valletta knows is that whatever happened happened after she ran into a high school student whose face she can't recall. She does say she's got an idea on how to get to the bottom of it, though. Suddenly, nighttime. Ogie's cell is performing another raid on a refrain distributor. Callan is depressed and wondering if they're doing the right thing. But before Ogie can investigate this, um, Zero gives them the signal to move in. Um, the raid is pretty one-sided. Um, Callan's piloting a frame, and inside it, she's no danger from the three mooks with machine guns. Um, unfortunately, it's not physical damage that does her in, but psychic damage. When her pursuit of the dealers takes her into part of the warehouse filled, filled with refrain users. This is a mech anime, uh, you miss- say. Their physical, their powerful outer body can't protect their inner body. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> also, specifically, they made sure to give her another red nightmare frame, because that is the only color she is allowed to pilot. Correct. Well, otherwise, how would you know, how you know she's going to get the new one. Because, uh, let's be real, they're pretty good at animating robot fights, but not good enough that you could tell who it is by the piloting style if they were all the same color. I I am going to be real. These two episodes had some great, you had the mecha designers come up with cool ways to show these frames fight. Oh, right here at the end when they fucking annihilate that guy's cockpit? Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fucking sick. I can't wait to just get to the next episode where I can talk about how sick the Garen is. I think the hand is really dumb. The hand is really great, the exten- and I love the, the escalation fine, it goes through. But the extendo arm part is really stupid. It's so good. No, no, it's two <laughs> feet longer. Fuck off. <laughs> it's so good. But then, ah, oh, we'll get to it. It's worth it for one scene, and that's it. We'll go there. But oh, it just keeps one-upping itself as the show goes on. Um, admits the crowd of... Uh, people overreacting and narrating their fantasies, because how else do you convey two dozen drug trips at once? I can't believe this Japanese media has really poor depictions of drug use. What? No way. This is just so insanely over the top. Uh, oh, it's probably pretty good. I did not watch the dub. It's uh, wild. Callan sees both the hot dog vendor from earlier in the day, as well as her bio mom just wandering around the room, caring for her brother. The hot dog vendor's like, I did it. I'm going to go study abroad. Yes! (laughs) I got accepted to university. It's just so fucking cartoonish. It's amazing. Uh, Colin's reply to this is some wild shit. My god, mother, how weak a woman are you? First you gave in to Britannia, then a man, and now drugs? And she snapped out of this by actual threats as a police frame has begun firing on her. They call them Night Police, and that's a really good name. Yeah, it rocks. Yeah, that actually is pretty good. I'll remember that. Despite the cell looking into this to make sure there were no cops in the area, it looks like this facility actually just has corrupt police involved in uh, dealing refrain to the people. Uh, the action scene that follows is, like, extremely Scooby-Doo, because Colin is carrying her strung-out mother and one hand of the frame limply and skating through an unlit warehouse just around a random drug users. Uh, she screams out, I don't want you, is about to just throw her mother to the ground because her uh, frame only has one arm after the other one just got shot off. Before a shot to the servos paralyzes the top half of her back. She collapses in just such a way that her mother is cradled safely under the deck and she hears the hallucinating woman say, Colin, I'm here for you. I'll always be here for you. 
and she suddenly realizes that the entire reason her mother stays a slave in her own house isn't being hung up on the bed and jilted her, but to watch her soul-surviving child grow up. Maybe you should have gone to school a little more, Callan. But she didn't need to. She's so good with her scores. That's right. That's it. <laughs> That's all that matters. Ready to own a VC firm. <laughs> Speaking of Hillary Clinton's, that's definitely Callan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like you trying to argue otherwise for one second in uh, your head. Nah. <laughs> Again, we mentioned earlier, props to the mech design team. The bits Callan does here to try and live and the acrobatics they show on the animation with the lower half of the mech only result in a really cool move. She flips one leg up to block the knife the ammo-less police frame is trying to stab her with, and while doing this, fires her grapples into a nearby shelf, then retracts them, dragging both mecha across the floor where the cop mech gets sardine-canned by the steel shelving. Shoutouts to how this is the most well-installed warehouse shelving I have ever interacted with. I... Having now, like, literally set up a warehouse at my last job, let me tell you, I've seen what happens when you fuck it up, oh, especially in California. I knocked one over. Uh, I damaged one at one of my former jobs with the forklift, and, uh, I will just say, when, when set warehouse shelving is set up correctly, it's some brutal shit that you don't want to fuck with. Because the the guy getting cheese gratered open with his cockpit reminds me of the entire forklift training I got at Fry's, where the head of LP came in with a folder, went, this is what happens if you don't wear your harness and practice caution around the shelves, and just opened it to four shots of a former employee who lost a lot of his face to being dragged by his weight across the grating in a fall. Literally cheese grated off. Uh, it sticks with me, so yeah, I can see how this would fuck up a robot. Only two people noticed that. What is that look on your face, Chris? Just thinking you about those, such glee. Just thinking about those Canadian OSHA ads and how you got one of those. Yeah, yeah, literally. It was just wild because I was just thinking, that's that's just stuff they make up for those videos. And she's like, nope, this is what happens. Ooh. So, uh, only two people seem to notice the woman Callan was carrying, one being Zero, who listens to her for a second and realizes who she is, and the other being Cece, who is in the rafters for some reason monologuing. False tears bring pain to those around you. A false smile brings pain to oneself. Shut the fuck up. Also, you are right. She is Hillary Clinton. Every time they win, they get to go to brunch later at school. <laughs> That's really what it is. Every time Hillary wins, and then they go have brunch. <laughs> Hillary Callen. The episode ends on an anti-drug PSA-styled scene. A nurse in the hospital tells Callen, staring at her vacant mother, that the after-effects of refrain mean she's not really there in the moment. Um, Callen then tells her mother that the older woman's sentence is 20 years... But I'm, but she's working to change that to make sure she can come back to a world where they can both live proudly in. Basically, being comatose, she'll get off for good behavior. 
Or they'll just leave her in a cell because they don't have to do anything. That's true. You can make a lot of money off a person who only lays in a bed. Mm-hmm. It's not entirely clear if her mother is uh, co- cognizant or not, because she doesn't move her head or ex- expression at all. Um, but her hand has moved to Callan's, and she mutters, Hang in there, Callan, my little girl. Uh, Callan cries and swears that she will, and the somber moment is immediately ruined by the smash cut to the ending theme's guitars. I laughed so hard. Complained <laughs> about how bad the ending Wait. theme is, by the way. It's not it's, it's not fun to listen to. It's incredibly butt rocky, and every time like if you're if you're ending the show on a cliffhanger, like, oh, Suzuku has showed up at campus. Okay, sure, that's a that's an immediate jolt that waxes the moment. If you're trying to go with a moment like this that's like I will make the world better, mother. And then to add insult to injury, the next episode's narration is basically Lelouch going, well, if Callan's anti-drug, I guess I'm with her, before chastising those who take tomorrow for granted. Fucking yikes. I love that the entirety of Japan is just basically hooked on the pipe of remembrance. Very good. I, I was debating commenting on that more than just putting the quote in, but like what nation that has been conquered would not be addicted to the past? We open on CC doing big flashy dives. Read the episode title! Uh, it takes None us into reading, episode 10. Gurren dances. It wasn't highlighted, so I didn't read it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the other one wasn't highlighted, so I just assumed we weren't reading them. That's All how right, I get well, out of it. Uh, <laughs> we open on CC doing big flashy dives under the moonlight in the campus pool. To the side, Lelouch is just banging random potential <laughs> terrorist candidates. Uh, like, and this is clearly like they have a form because this is uniform. So they just like have a Google form somewhere that you can sign up to be a terrorist. It's like DMing oh, yeah. ISIS on Twitter. Uh... <laughs> The first guy is an angry student, and the next one is Dietard. Uh Lelouch looks him over and goes, hmm, doesn't look like a spy from his background. Fascinating. And then uh, CC and Lelouch just have a little exposition dump between each other where we learn that uh, the people are anti-terrorists, but they're also anti-Britannian. So his group has picked up a lot of quiet support because of the Knights of Justice spin where they won't help them out, but they sure won't tell the cops about it. And... Uh, mm-hmm. We find out about some group called Kyoto has offered to send the Black Knights new nightmare frames, and the common folks don't report sightings of his team, making it easier to just blend into the crowd after a mission. And apparently, informants and tips are pouring into the group. We hard cut from this to Dieter, who is no longer leading media affairs for the Viceroy after the Let's Broadcast the Black Knight speech stunt. He's actually just sitting in a crappy little archives room behind a hilariously short desk. This thing has got to be ruining his knees. Across from him, he explains he was demoted much like you were, and we see Jeremiah and Valletta. The soldiers are going to be shipping out on duty soon, but have decided to contract Dieter to try and investigate the Ashford Academy student angle through him. Jeremiah lets slip their mission is in Narita, and Dieter instantly pounces. Oh, Narita, as in the area where the Japan Liberation Front is rumored to be headquartered? 
The soldiers grow cold instantly, calling him too clever, and the scene ends. We cut to a warehouse after dark. A variety of new Black Knight recruits are helping uh, inspect those frames they were sent. There is a full squadron of Burais, which are which are a Japanese modification of the glass cows. And in the back is a completely Japanese-made nightmare frame, referred to as the Gurren Mark II. Um, the Gurren is crimson, like Callan's hair. No points for guessing who gets to pilot it, and has um, razor claws for one hand. Uh, Zero emerges from the crates and tosses her the key. And when she argues, saying that she, um, saying he should be captain to keep it armored he says i'm a commander stick me in any grunt suit so i blend in you're an ace pilot and someone we can use as a trump card and besides then you have something to fight with an for elaborate head thing on it instead i was just gonna say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> fucking clown zero is the stupidest because he constantly calls out things in the moment where he's like god i got owned i need to stop stepping on this rake and then he will proceed to leap feet first onto the same thing two episodes later. Yeah, but then because it's Lelouch, the like the rake will like come separated from the rod and I'll just fly over him and nothing will happen. You think it would be easier to avoid as a clamp character where you could just in one stride step over an entire rake? Yeah. <laughs> nothing has been funnier to me than uh, the very first episode. Oh, the human element. That's the thing that changes the course of battle. And then he has, like, multiple teams turn on him because he's such a dick. Yeah, he just needed people to follow his orders unconditionally. <laughs> the human element. Meanwhile, um, Lelouch calls her an optimist for thinking that uh, Kyoto backing them means they've quote-unquote made it. Um, instead of suggesting that this is a test since they support multiple groups and this just this just adds them to the potential help. Before this can be dug into, Ogi pulls up and says they've been just been given some solid intel from who we can infer is Dieter. It's a tip-off that the Britannian military plans to crush the JLF next. Ogi's skeptical, saying it's risky to act on it and they don't really have time to confirm, but Zero just says, guess we're going on a hike in the Narita Mountains, which uh, turns out to just be the one mountain. Yeah, we then get our only Nunnally scene in this entire two episode block, and she wakes up and tells Sayoko that Lelouch won't need breakfast. He's left to go on a trip for three days and then vanishes. And then we smash cut to the cabin in the mountains, and two JLF sentries are playing Go and doing their usual "It's all quiet on the mountain top" call in, and one just goes, "Of course it's quiet. It's JLF turf. Nobody could stroll in." And then the other door behind them just gets kicked open. Zero. Walks in, masked up with his frame right behind, and then gasses the duo, saying, You're gonna ignore anything weird during your watch today. And then leaves, flashing a signal to his troops to advance. So the exceedingly dumb thing about this is that he takes his helmet off to gas them when he spe specifically had the helmet made to just slide the thing to the yep, side so yep, he could yep, do yep, it. Yep. Incredible. Yep. As the troops advance slowly, we see a lot of new recruits are in high spirits. They're not sure what's going on, but they are perfectly happy to use the new frames to move large containers of equipment. Among the belongings are various weapons, heavy excavators, and Callan reading the manual for her new mech as it is carried along. Ogi and Callan are a little weirded out, though, noting that Lelouch is refusing to use the radio in his frame, signaling them via lights from afar. 
we actually see he's holed up inside the JLF sentry cabin, mask off, reading a book at this point, and Cece has just appeared, chilling outside in the snow during her thing. On a military transport, Cornelia, Euphemia, and her generals are moving in to begin the operation. Four battalions have been split into seven groups surrounding the area and cordoning off roads, with backup stationed outside in case of outside interference. Quote Cornelia, If Zero is stupid enough to show up, we're ready for him. They are not. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Millie continues to have the best comedic timing on campus. Um, Nina, who sucks, has apparently asked, just asked her if she can arrange a meeting with Euphemia to quote-unquote thank her. And Millie asks, tell me, Nina, what kind of social status do you presume a principal's granddaughter has? Not a very high one? Correct. Not very. Um, at the cabin, Lelouch asks Cece uh, why she is here, and she asks him, um, so why are you Lelouch? When he says he has no time for philosophy, she dives in. You've changed your family name to Lamperouge, but you kept the one you were given at birth, Lelouch. Oddly sentimental for you. His retort is simply, C2 swings to the other extreme, doesn't it? That's not a human name. And he immediately shuts up as she turns um, in a simple glare so cold that the mountain winds actually begin blowing snow around them. Um, she then asks Lelouch, do you know why the snow is white? And he grunts, uh, snow is white because it is forgotten what color it's supposed to be. Is that supposed to be a race thing? Or is that just nonsense? I think it's just nonsense. That definitely feels like a, hey, half Japanese guy, do you think you're white now? But like, also, I don't know if that's the way we're supposed to read this. Get owned Britannians, you forgot your original national heritage is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. We then head over to Cornelia in her frame, preparing to start the operation. Guilford, on a private channel, expresses disapproval of Euphemia being nearby, even if she is stationed with the medical crew and operations off the front of the front lines. Cornelia says that the younger princess is being unusually stubborn and wanted to see actual combat. From the operations vehicle, Yuffie is learning to read the hollow maps and what different symbols represent. One of them, off in the distance, is their backup, the Lancelot. And we also learn, for the first time, that the second prince is the patron of that unit, and thus, no matter how Cornelia feels about Japanese soldiers, they cannot override Suzaku being at the controls as he feels they should have every chance to learn to defend themselves. Uh, the, the sub definitely just says he wants it to see as much combat for testing as possible. The Interesting. data. Yeah, it's for the data. They do not give a shit about the Elevens learning to defend themselves. Hmm. Atop a hill, we see the excavators working, just kicking rubble everywhere. Ogi asks Zero why, if Cornelia's on site, they're not trying to work with the JLF. And Zero just asks, what, have you lost faith in me already? And does not explain himself in any way. And with that, Cornelia begins the operation, giving a small monologue to herself in her frame. You, the Japan Liberation Front. You, who time has left behind. You, who have forgotten basic human decency, you and your dream of a bygone golden age shall fall and rot to nothingness. All around the Narita Mountains, the rebels are reacting. Inside the JLF stronghold, all radar is lighting up with 100-plus units going live at once in the circle around them. On the hilltop, Zero, 
already knew, and his troops are realizing, what the fuck, we're surrounded! And one of Oki's lesser goons snaps under the pressure, whipping out his rifle and saying they were a fool to trust Zero, and he's going to get them all killed, and he should be leader. And then wordlessly Zero points a gun at the man and flips it around in his hand, pointing it at himself. If you think you have any chance of getting out of here without me, shoot me. Any one of you. And there's just a long silence where everyone stares and waits to see if anyone moves. And finally, Lelouch breaks the silence. Since you've joined the Black Knights, you've only got two choices now. You may live with me, or you may perish with me. We cut to the bunker beneath the mountain. The JLF's leaders aren't there. Having all gone to Kyoto to pick up their share of Birai frames and the four holy swords and uh, Toto aren't going to make it back in time. In short, the forces underground are on their own. Um, in the command vehicle, um, Euphemia is still um, getting more training in combat. Our forces are in three groups, um, converting them from these angles. We know that the JLF forces are somewhere in this structure, but the exact location of their base is unknown as of yet, so we can't bomb anything precise. Um, they're expected to try to break through the encirclement, and at that point, the map begins to go haywire. Um, this is the signal that the troops on the ground were expecting, and Euphemia is told uh, that what they are seeing is ECM jamming, um, probably to obscure where the troops leave the base from. It also signals to everyone in the field to get ready to fight. Um, Cornelia is the first to see one of them units deploy um, with parts of the entire mountain sliding aside to reveal elevators. Um, this is some Tokyo 3 shit, but under the trees. And despite Guilford's cautioning her to fall back, she just goes, what do you think I am, one of your women? And solos the entire group. We haven't seen this directly, but here, after Cornelia owns that guy, you could find out the spears aren't extremely stupid spears. Uh, they spear dudes and then open up into, like, four sections, basically ripping them open and making them explode. Yeah, yeah. sick. It's sick. Uh, that should, it's, they it's should definitely, like, been implored around that. Because you only ever see it, the first time I noticed it is here, after she owns that one guy. Yeah, and it's usually, like, always in, like like the traditional like medieval lance style yeah and that's really i had presumed they had something like that given that they're always drawn with extra lines on them and i thought well that has to mean it like splits right they can't have just carved ornate fancy shit into it i don't oh, know the man. british it's people the don't they hate fancy shit all right i suppose the fucking rose gold ipod excalibur or lancelot definitely speaks to that Meanwhile, in a nearby town, evacuation orders are being given, and we see a nondescript man head back from the market to an office building. It seems this place is where General Bartley moved code or research after the Clovis debacle, presuming that it would be the safest possible locale with it being in the JLF's backyard. Whoops! Uh, also, off the main battlefield, Jeremiah Valletta and their unit are in the reserves, nowhere near actual combat. Again. Jeremiah, very upset about this. Uh, oh, yeah. Back in the skirmish, it looks like one of Cornelia's top brass is the first to find the main entrance to the JLF base. And she goes, well, I won't kill Steel for my guys. Looks like he's getting another medal as they position themselves off to the sides and order the other units to back up Commander Dalton and wait for air support on his mark. 
From the side, Lelouch can also see the signal flare go up and looks down on the battlefield, thinking that Cordelia is a good general, deployed smartly and predictably. There's a lot of little events in here that just show the creativity of frame combat. Some of Cordelia's troops begin scaling the mountains using their anchors to fire into the mountain, then pull themselves up, alternating the anchors like handholds. Yeah, they, they get a lot of mileage out of these anchor things. Pretty good. I I really am impressed because I sort of thought this was just going to turn into generic mook mechs shooting at each other, and then only the really big name ones were going to get to do things like Cornelia or the Grinnin. No, they keep using this in ways that surprise me. I'm impressed. Yeah, it it's good at it's bad at everything except being a mech show. Uh, yeah. With Dalton about ready to give the signal for the final charge and Toto blowing his cover on the highways, trying to ram the trucks through the barricades that have been set up and reach Dorita in time. Lelouch says the time is right. Everyone in the Black Knights gets their weapons and frames ready, and the plan is revealed. They're going to charge in towards Cornelia's position, which is off to the side of the main forces, and capture her as leverage to escape. The other ace in the hole is that we finally learn what all of the excavators were for, as Lelouch tells Callan to attack one of their probes with an energy blast. Because Garrett will want this information here, she uses the Garen's wave surger. A, I feel extremely called out. B, it's also extremely sick. Because, so, like, she takes the arm that has, like, a hole in it where the wave surger is done. I think they call it, like, EM waves or something beforehand. And it, like, locks into the thing and it shoots down this blast, and then it ejects a cartridge from the arm, kind of like some, like, Nanaha A's and onward shit, and then it, like, does, like, this eruption underground that just, like, fucking destroys this mountain, and it's sick. Also, C, the grappling hooks are called Slash Harkins, and no, every time, I specifically don't correct. All right, I will start adding that in more, just as, uh, just as fans. If you put that in, I'll make fun of you. <laughs> You're going to make fun of me no matter what. I'll make fun of you extra, though. Okay. But yeah, uh, they've just fracked the entire mountaintop off onto the main meat of the Britannian forces. Yeah, basically what they've been doing is these drills have basically metal cables and they've drilled through to like an aquifer and they're basically like causing a steam explosion. Mm hmm. Uh, inside the JLF stronghold, the whole place is rocking wildly. And from Euphemia's vehicle, everyone is horrified as the mass of two out of their three units is wiped out by the onslaught of debris. We just see a whole side of the mountain turn black and then just loss, 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 loss over all of Look, the map. These guys, it's yeah. not, they deserve it for being so bad at Dwarf Fortress. You never deploy over top of an aquifer. <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if they knew the aquifer was there. They also didn't know there was a JLF base under the mountain. They're like, they knew where is their hiding hole? the whole hole? point of being here. Well, no, that's the thing. They knew they were here, but Cornelia even says in the field, they've made the whole mountain into a base. Those clever bastards. I was specifically talking about the JLF. They're literally just playing Dwarf Fortress over here. Also good. To be fair, the guy inside is so old, he would say, dwarves like the ancient myth and not know what a fucking <laughs> computer is. The only person we see survive this uh, landslide is Dalton, because his anchors strap him to a nearby butte while the rebel buffets his frame. 
Meanwhile, outside the battlefield, Lloyd and Cecile are watching the eruption, and Cecile wonders how this could happen. There's no way someone could just induce a geomagnetic eruption on command, right? And Lloyd just goes, oh, of course not. Not unless he used a wave surger and electromechanical probes and proceeds to absolutely peg what just happened before going, oh, well, not our issue. I think it's also at this point where, at least in the sub, he refers to, um, like, the actual designer of the Gurren here. He, there was definitely no comment about that. There was just, he clearly knows what this is and doesn't give a shit because they're like well my guy's not on the field yeah in this in the sub there's more of like he kind of knows like who has been like working on this technology that starts to get hinted here interesting from the top of the mountain as the waves of mutilation uh comes to rest inside the town sweeping through the streets and collapsing buildings lulus just grins Hmm, it's more destructive than I've expected. And it did what we needed, which was isolate Cornelia's unit. Still, I suppose I could have been a little more accurate. Um, maybe I should have talked to a physics professor or asked Nina to tutor me in uh, probability. Um, Cornelia is being briefed on the, aftermath, on the aftermath when suddenly she finds out that the force sweeping down the mountain isn't a desperate JLF escape plan, it's the Black Knights. And the instant this goes over the radio, Jeremiah abandons his post and charges into battle, um, wanting Zero's blood and declaring there's no chance for glory without some backbone. And then gets extremely owned. Yeah. The ground troops amidst the Black Knights slowly advance down the mountain, covering the frames back, taking out tanks and dividing the forces further. But the only thing that stands between Zero and Cornelia is a trio of frames. Jeremiah, Valletta, and some other guy who doesn't speak. Jeremiah gets two hits with a sneak attack, but the instant Zero calls out over the radio, Oh, it's Orange Boy. They let you stay in the army, huh? He goes fucking berserk. And this is when Colin drops in, smashing down on the Pure Blood's frame. About 15 seconds later, he gets trapped in her stupid extendo arm, and she just lets out a sorry it's not before... Stupid. Before unloading the wave <laughs> surger right into the mech. Uh, and what follows is a particularly grisly end to the episode with the frame bubbling and blistering from the heat. Uh, head to limbs, and Jeremiah's cockpit begins to spark and glow with heat. His eyes fucking roll back into his head as blood just pours out of his nose and mouth while he tries in vain to stop the auto-eject to kill Zero, who is right in front of him, standing still. And finally, we stop hearing anything from him as the cockpit fires off and his frame drops to the ground, just a heap of slag. And no one else is willing to fuck with Colin as the episode ends, leaving the path to Cornelia free and clear. What a climax! Pretty yeah, good. Yeah, it's fucking sick. The Garen owns. <laughs> I guess that's one thought on the... Yeah, this is an interesting uh, escalation. Because... We have gone from, oh, the rebels are on the back foot, to, hey, did you know we made a mech that can kill God? <laughs> this isn't evil. This isn't even its final form. No. No, I know that. I I found out the Mark II is not the thing that is in Super Robot Wars, to put it bluntly. That's extremely true. Yeah, it's still a Gurren model, but it's not the same one. But also, that's like two seasons in a movie ahead of this. So, eh. Yeah. Multiple movies, I think, even. 
Oh my god. I think there's only one. Maybe yeah, from I have what to double I, check. I thought there was a couple. Uh from what I saw, there's three compilation movies of this first season. Oh, which right, apparently right. changed some of the story. <laughs> like, there are characters who just survive who get iced. That's real weird. Yeah, well they need to make the that transition from season one to season two to be as awful as it was. I don't know if that's possible. True. Well they gotta try, is what I said. That's fair. But yeah, uh, there's... The not whatever that stuff in these episodes isn't very bad. Incredibly. But, like, at least in the first episode, it was funny bad. Because Callan and Lelouch's conversation where she's trying to bait any kind of emotion out of him, that's a good scene. I'll give it that. Everything involving Refrain yeah. is hilarious. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. Huge step down from, like, the previous non-mech stuff. Like, Cat Chase, really good. This, nah, nah I could have done without this. Because, like, all they get out of that entire episode, you probably could have done with, like, two extra minutes of this episode. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. hell, you probably could have worked, you know, Callan's home life and that made in as background over a few scenes in other episodes instead of foregrounding it in a very weird I don't know if the Japanese saying the Japanese are vulnerable to nostalgia is racist moment. I wonder if they got paid for this, like how you could get paid for doing anti-drug episodes of TV in the U.S. Because, like, it's I so did... comical, it feels like something yeah. you would make because you were getting paid for it. No, I really do think it feels like those... Uh, dare anti-drug like Nancy Reagan on different strokes kind of episodes from the 80s it's that bad action stuff was good I think the Gurren Mark 2 is cool except for the extendo arm which I think is goofy Look, the extendo arm is dope if it was further on like a cable it would be cool the fact that it's like three additional feet I think makes it dumb to me yeah I guess I guess to explain this to uh, listeners during the fight with Jeremiah he dodges back out of the range of the Gurren going, ah, haha. She could have just walked the... one step forward is how not far it goes. That's exactly it. And then the claw shoots forward the couple of feet that he has stepped back and grabs his head, which is when she unloads the cannon. Yeah, like... It's just such a weird flex. If it was like the anchors, like it shot out like that, that would be cool to me. Well, well wait, you've seen the show. You already know. Shh. <laughs> I'm only talking about the I know. episode we discussed. In that episode, it's not cool. It is I extremely know the cool. Mech. I know the mech, and that's all I'll say. I know the ultimate form of the mech. It should be a Rayman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but speaking, with that, speaking of flood. things our listeners don't know because they're not old. Well, that's not true. They made a bunch of those recently. I was about to say, yeah, they had the, uh, there's actually a mobile runner Rayman game. Oh my god. Well, no, that's where those things that uh, do XCOM with Mario came from. (sighs) Yeah, I hate that you're right. Yeah, the Rabbids were a Rayman game. Were they? Yeah. The original Wii game was Rayman Raving Rabbids. Mm -hmm. Like, Rayman was locked up in a Planet of the Apes-style arena where the Rabbids made him do mini-games to try and get his freedom. At least they made, That's real. At least they made two of those, two good ones of those games. It was the first one, and then the... the... Yeah, Origins and Legends. 
And those were over a decade ago now. I'm going to go take a nap on account of being old. Sorry, I had to look this up recently. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's how I knew about the uh, mobile ones, because I was like, those games aren't that... Oh. Anyhow, plugs, Garrett. Uh, Do I have a plug? Um, I talk about karate bugman fighting over at journeytothedecacast.com, where Blade is happening, I think. And Chris. Face a dollar, losers. Go to pitchdrop.cash, listen to Icons and Icons. It's a, a Final Fantasy fourteen Games Club podcast that I finally got around to editing again after a month and a half. It's fine. I was busy. You only pay a dollar. Fuck off. And if you happen to pay more than a dollar, you can hear Chris's dulcet, profane tones, along with Matt and John covering other, other anime on Boku no Stop Premium, where they are currently investigating Serial Experiments Lane. And boy, that's a fun series to source sounds for. If you thought this anime was too uplifting, Serial Experiments <laughs> Lane, it's for you. I bet I said some wild shit on there. I don't remember. I've definitely sliced out one or two things you've said. However, none of them involve the rash of suicides that starts the show. And continues the show. Yeah, that went in pretty deep as I looked over the episode list again. Anyhow, we'll be back in two weeks with episodes 11 and 12 and the death of Cornelia? Question mark? I don't know. See ya. Peace out, fuckers. Bye.